Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. You gotta give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give us a shot. Hey, whoever's got that, turn that off. Just turn that off. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clapback Sports. I'm your host, The Mage. As always, I am joined by my co-host. You know what? Fuck Murph. Let's start with Tino today. Tino, how are you? I'm doing good, Mage. I appreciate you switching it up. And guys. Um, new year, new me. New year, new you. Uh, same show, though. But we made it through a full giant season together, boys. Uh, this is a first. This is the first season we, we've survived this long um, didn't end up with the result we wanted, but Hey guys, uh, it was a fun ride to be a part of it through the season for the most part, despite the highs and lows. And we made it one year down, one season down, more progress to come. It's funny because when Murph and I first started this podcast, who knew, uh, that it would actually end up that we would be consistent and that we would finish the entire season with it. Um, there were times in which I want to strangle Murph and I just didn't think that we were going to make it through, but here we are. Murph, what doesn't kill speaking us is stronger. Speaking of making it through, I'm surprised we made it through an NFL season, man. All the shit going on. That's a miracle in itself. And honestly, it was actually you and me. We were talking about this. We were pretty blessed to not have to deal with too much COVID stuff. So um, we had some December football. It was exciting. Wasn't enough, but yeah. We took a step in the right direction, boys, and that's all, all we were looking for. And we, we started this uh, Giants reporting, content creating, whatever you want to call it, at the beginning of the season. So a lot of weird feelings going on right now. Well, I'm sure we'll get into Philly. So make sure you follow us on your social media. I could be found on Twitter at Demage underscore NFL. You can find Tino on Twitter at Tino Rodriguez, double underscore at the end. And you can find what has basically become a Murph Stan account, Clapback Sports, at Clapback underscore sports on Twitter and Instagram. So, although we don't really have much going on on Instagram, but follow us because we're going to get... Yeah, because our intern isn't doing shit. You're right. Did somebody fire her? No, she's off on vacation in La La Land. But uh, let's start off with the Philadelphia Eagles, guys. Philadelphia Eagles... Let's put it out there. I mean, there's been a lot of people that said that the Giants shouldn't have have to wait for a playing game uh, or be rooting for the Eagles to lose. And I don't think anybody on this podcast here disagrees with that. We had 16 games to get in ourselves. Um, Joe Judge has come out and said the same exact sentiment. But let's face it, what Doug Peterson and the Eagles did is a giant shit stain on the NFL. Yeah, I mean, but they're a shit stain franchise or I didn't expect anything else. Uh, look, I, I, I feel disheartened by it because I expected it to be shitty. And we talk about this all the time. Every year we play Philly, the two times a year we lose to them in worse, worse ways. And, you know, this year we finally won, but you know, it gets progressively worse whenever it has to do with Philly and, you know, you move Philly to national TV in a game that's supposed to matter and decide a division. And what do you expect? The worst case, you know, worst case scenario. And now, my biggest thing that bothers me, and I've talked about this a few times now, is that they bailed Washington out. And as much as I think Washington defense is great, Alex Smith is hurt. 
he's playing hurt. And you're going to have Taylor Heineke starting a playoff game at home against Tom Brady when I think the Giants would have gave him a better a better go at it. Look, I'm out of breath talking about how annoying the Eagles game was. I'm just not surprised. And I don't think either of you guys are surprised, nor did I expect Philly to be on our side ever. Like, there is no way we went into that game. If Philly had a choice to pick Washington or us, they're picking Washington. And honestly, though, if I had an option, I would have rested our starters and let Washington win from the beginning too, because fuck Philly. But, dude, it's a joke. I mean, you wait till the fourth quarter to do what he did. Your entire team hates you now, and it's like, good, good riddance. You're in cap hell. You're a terrible coach. They're going to get what's coming to them. Well, Kelsey has come out and said that he went over and talked to Doug and there was no contention and whatnot, which in my eyes just makes Kelsey a hypocrite because of what he had said weeks earlier about competing. So I I get it if you want to lose the game. And people pointed to Miami, which is just absolutely wrong because Miami had three wins in their last five games last year and they won both week 16 and week 17 to say that they were tanking for two is just completely incorrect. But what Philly did, it was just so blatant, right? I get it. If you're going to make all you guys inactive or a healthy scratch for this reason or that reason, whatever, it, there's nothing that you can do about it. And Murph and I had this conversation. I'll throw it to him after this point because Murph thinks that the NFL should investigate the Eagles, but it's a slippery slope. You can't. Because it's roster management. How can you advise an organization or a head coach how players should be used based on any given circumstances? So it's a slippery slope. But Jalen Hurts, his stats weren't great, but they were never out of that game with Jalen. So to pull him in the fourth quarter and put in Nate Sutfeld, because you really have to see what Nate Sutfeld has to offer you, it's just it's complete bullshit, man. Just complete bullshit. And you guys covered it all. But, I mean, yeah, complete weak sauce, man. I mean, the Eagles were going to win that game. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. Like, Eagles were going to win that game, had all the momentum, and he sucked them dry of momentum by pulling Jalen Hurts out of that game. And I get it. I get the taking aspect of it. I get getting your guys their reps. You want to evaluate everyone. But don't fucking sit here and tell me that Nate Sudfeld, who's been in the league for four fucking years on two teams, needs any kind of evaluation. That's some bullshit. So, cool. You did what you did, Doug Peterson, but you fucking were a horrible actor. A horrible acting job of doing it. So, I mean, it is what it is. At the end of the day, like like John Mayer said today, we should have won more games. But that was the weakest shit I have ever seen in all professional sports. Definitely the NFL. Um, that was the softest shit ever. And you know what? I guess it'd be a little bit different if Philly had been playing any NFC team, but they were still playing a fucking division opponent, dude. So joke's on them, dude. No one's signing with Philly as a free agent. You're in cap hell. You don't have a quarterback. So fucking enjoy the shit show, boys, because they're going back to the cellar where we've been for a couple of years, and then those days are over for us. It doesn't make sense to me that they have Hurts. They, they have a decision to make with Wentz. You're worried about Sudfeld's reps. You should be worried about Hurts' reps. You should be worried about Hurts being in meaningful games. They were at home. It makes no sense to me. We were in a, this, uh, a position last year, even with the Chase Young move. Everyone said, oh, well, we won that game against Washington because we played it to the wire, and this is a different regime. But you want to see what Danny has. You want to see what your rookie has in a game that matters. I mean – 
mean it means very little to the Eagles, but it matters to a whole lot of other people in the NFL. And the fact that you pull your rookie, the guy you reached up and went to go get for bench nobody. Your big, big star quarterback for what is that? What does that say to your team? No, that tells me, guys. It's a a shame. It's a shame. Eagles don't have a quarterback. Mm. If that was their actual evaluation process, then the Eagles are entering next year without a quarterback because that just tells me that they weren't sold on Solder. Either that or they're complete spineless fucking cowards. I mean, it's one or the other. I said Solder. What the hell? Jalen Hurts. but yeah, no. And it also makes no sense to me why everyone's buying the idea that they move up three spots. They went from nine to six. The Eagles are the worst team I've ever seen draft ever. Why the hell would it matter if they moved up three spots? If I'm the Eagles, I wouldn't even want a first round pick for how poorly they pick in the first round. It's absolutely ridiculous. They want to move up three spots. Blow me. Blow they got to be sure that they don't fuck this one up, you know, like Justin Jefferson. Yeah, well, somebody had mentioned, though, earlier too, you know, about moving up from nine to six, the difference last year would have been the difference between the DBCJ Henderson and drafting Justin Herbert. So I get it. But if you're one of those fans that are actively rooting for your team to tank, should all just go ahead and meet on the Ben Franklin bridge, hold hands and just jump off of it together because that's not fucking sports. I'm sorry, guys. Fans nowadays have been ruined by fantasy football and the Madden franchise. The Giants, fans of the Washington Foreskins still, oh, I bet you guys wish you would have lost that game. No, we don't. We got Andrew Thomas. And guess what? In the two games versus the Redskins, they didn't do shit against us. So after we drafted Andrew Thomas, I put out a tweet and I said, well, we got uh, Chase Young's equalizer. And guess what? So far, he hasn't done shit against a Giant. I'll probably eat my words next year. But, yeah, Chase Young does look good. He's a good talent. But no way in fucking hell is an actual NFL player going out there and actively tanking. I don't care if you're four – what were they at the time? Four, nine, and one or something like that? I, I, I mean – I think they had five wins because they were one. They could have they could have competed for the division if they beat Dallas the week before. So they had to have five, I think. So I mean, if you if you already shipped the cars home, this that, and the other thing, you're still out there. You're still competing and you're still playing. Uh, the other thing that came out today too is that Carson Wentz is supposedly backtracking on his comments or wanting to be traded because it's all hurt so, Benz. He's like, I got a shot. I could stay. So we'll see what happens there, but. I mean, the, the Eagles are awful. They're, they're in cap hell. So let's move forward, though. But I do have something for you guys. Just before I introduce this next segment, I'm going to pull a Murph here, all right? So. You're mad. I'm back. Big mad. He's mad. She's mad. Big fat. Ha, ha. Don't care. Stay mad. Ah, 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 ah. That's right, boys. Dave Gettleman is back for another year. Oh, I love it. I, love I was wondering it. where you're going with that. <laughs> and somebody just asked me uh, the other day. They said, are you happy that Dave Gettleman's back or just the fact that it pisses a lot of people off? Yeah, I'm just happy that it pisses a lot of people off. Look, if Dave Gettleman was here or not, it's not going to change anything for me. I don't give a fuck. 
Dave Gettleman doesn't pay my salary. Joe Judge doesn't pay my salary. I want to see the team win just as much as anybody else. All right. But, and we're going to have a segment later on on the show. We, uh, I laid the gauntlet down for any anti Gettleman fan to come on the show and to debate us. So we're going to have that for you in a little bit. But Murph, let's lead off with you. What is the most interesting thing since the Giants season ended? Well, I think uh, the good news that we got last night with Patrick Graham is is our most positive piece right now, right? That was a little bit of a surprise. We thought he was heading uh, over across town to, to interview with the Jets. I don't think but, he was ever really a candidate for the Jets. I, yeah, I mean, no, no, that's fine. But you know, whether we like we it or not, we talked about this privately as well. Is like, I don't know Patrick Graham's head coach material. Yeah, and that's fine. Whatever. That's all besides the point. You know, he was definitely in circles as being candidates. So we, we knew that was possibly there, and we saw it with Garrett, and we'll get into that later. But, um, dude, I was telling you earlier, that, that speaks volumes, man. You know, I don't care if it's the Jets. I don't care if it's the Browns, Jaguars, whatever it is. When an NFL team is calling you to interview you, you're doing something right. And to me, for him to turn that interview down, just tells me we're building something here, boys. And and this is going to flow right into our Gettleman conversation. But, I mean, PG locking up as a defensive coordinator after one year in this scheme and seeing the success he had and turning down interviews, I mean, how much more happy can we be about that? And then on top of that, with a nice little cherry and Jason Garrett getting the interviews, I mean, uh, so far 2021 for the Giants has been a, a nice kickoff for me. I don't know about you boys, but I will um, personally drive Jason Garrett all the way to Los Angeles if the Chargers decide to hire him. I will personally drive they would Jason ruin Garrett Justin Herbert. all the way. They would ruin Justin Herbert. They need to get Brian Dable, or if not, just like what are, what are you talking about? I don't want him to get Garrett. Damn. I'm a fan of Herbert. I don't want the ah. Die. All no, right. no, no, no. Jason Garrett would be great for Justin Herbert's right, development. Tons of charges. And we would expect the Chargers offense to finally click on all cylinders, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Here's my takeaway, boys. Because Murph hinted on it, but my biggest takeaway, even with Dave Gettleman, and this is something we talked about with him working with Judge, but even Patrick Graham with this defense and working with Judge as well, man, chemistry. And we're building something, but you can it it goes a long way. Opportunities there for Patrick Graham. Of course, you want him to become a head coach at some point, whether we think he should be or not. That's the end game for a lot of these coaches. But you're you're somewhere that works right now. It's working. Why after one year just throw it away? And then with Gettleman, it's like, you know, people want to stomp around and bitch and moan still or expect a rise out of reactions of people. And it's like, we've seen this. I mean, we've seen this on this show. It's like what did he do this year that wasn't right? I mean, realistically, it's insane how many home runs he hit. It's ridiculous. And as much as people were shatting on him about the years past and you don't want to forget about it, fine. But you know something? You got to move on and realize what just happened this year. I mean, people were crapping about Thomas. Maybe you could have wrote home about the fact that we could have got someone better in the first. Who gives a shit? Thomas McKinney showed up, our second rounder. Darnay's playing reps. You got Perk, God forbid, whenever the hell he gets on the field. Coughlin we're getting shit out of. Cam Brown was seeing the field. We got usage out of every rookie. Every single one. And our free agent signings. 
Don't forget Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, Tate Crowder, of course. Of course. It takes a while to get to the seventh round relevant picks. It's it's nuts, but literally seventh rounders. Then you talk about Blake, who got no love this year in terms of accolades. Guy should have been an all-pro pro bowler. Bradbury played out of his damn mind. And it's nuts to me. What got me so excited is seeing McKinney on the field on that last game and just seeing the product we have. The talent is nuts. It's absolutely crazy. And we still do need another corner. But Patty G coming back is so big because you can just tell. If we get an edge, if we can just get an edge in a corner, man, they're going to do some crazy things, dude. They're going to do some crazy things on defense. You know, so before we get to you, Murph, real quick, uh, Blake Martinez was also on Twitter. And Blake Martinez did say he wants to be a giant for life. So I'm very encouraged by that. I agree with both of your points about Patrick Graham. I love the fact that Patrick Graham's coming back. I feel like him and Joe Judge are going to be a nice little duo for a long time. It almost kind of feels like Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick um, as the tears roll down my eyes. But uh, Murph, go ahead. I was trying to think. Who in 2020 on this roster didn't make an impact that's a newcomer? I can think of one guy. Y'all got anyone? I mean, free agency and draft. Well, I know some. Not counting waiver wire. Don't count the waiver wire. I'm talking about straight free agency and and draft. Who who didn't make an impact? I got one guy. I'm not even going to go through impact. My only issue uh, in office in general. I might be missing someone. It's we can evaluate the shit out of talent, but our own talent, we're struggling to kind of get past. And, and I only say this about Ingram. That's a decision we need to make. No, 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 no. I'm talking about newcomers and rookies. I just had to note that. If there's one complaint. Fuck Ingram. I don't. I, I, it would have been I, perfect if our front office and everyone collectively were like, we should trade him. And I would have been like, yes. But other than that, I don't have any complaints. I can't think of anyone. No. We don't ever have to talk about him ever again, but I'm dead serious. I think your question is a little loaded, right? Because there are players that. Free agents and draftees. Right. So there are players in which I think had an impact, but I don't think played all that well. So to say that any of these guys had zero. Who who didn't play well? I'm I'm curious. Well, Yadam, who we traded for. Did he play good though? But that's my point, though. They all had spurts in which – Absolutely. I mean, Shane Lemieux as well, placing uh, Will Hernandez. He didn't do all that well down the stretch either. He looked like dog shit recently. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not sure where you're going with your question. So, there are first-year players on this team in which I would like to see improvements at it. But then your question asks whether or not they had an impact, and they did. So they they, they all had – they all played a role. They all played their question. So, my answer is no, I suppose. And – that's it was more of a statement and I, I knew that we would all be in more agreement but the only person Brunson he's probably the only guy that we really didn't hear anything about all year I mean it's that's actually pretty crazy to have all your draft picks and all your free agents actually make some sort of impact honestly besides Br- Brunson and I know Edner played special teams everyone else was pretty damn relevant all year long and that's that goes a long way, man. I have the answer. I have the answer. It is the only answer. Dion fucking Lewis. Oh my God. Dion Lewis. Oh. No, oh, that hurt. That hurt too much. Scored too deep. You're right. I don't give a fuck. Because he had zero impact. First of all, 
on special teams. I don't know what he's doing half the time. There could be a wide open hole to the left, and he runs directly into the wall on the right. Uh, on offense, he's just he's just not that fucking good. Uh, Deion Lewis, I would like to see – let him walk next year. Gone. Go. Get out of here. Thank you. He had that really nice touchdown catch from Danny. But aside from that, I'm sorry. I'm over Deion Lewis. I'm over a Deion Lewis experiment. And I, I don't even know why they – again, I guess we'll get to Jason Garrett, but I don't know why they continue to rotate fucking Gallman and Morris. No idea. Gallman is clearly the better running back. Why Why are you rotating Morris? I don't get it. That's my point. But that's the Ingram thing. That We can evaluate talent to the point where everyone we draft, we hit on. But, like – when we look at our team, for some reason, we get caught in this like mirage of like what they were, what they can be still or like potential. And it's like, no, just let it go. Just let it the fuck go. And I, we never have to talk about Ingram again until he's on the team next year. I'm going to lose my mind if he is. Fellas, I didn't even know Danny had the longest streak in the NFL with passes without an interception. I didn't know that. And you want to know why? Because all anyone ever wants to do is still talk about last year and his turnovers and his fumbles and shit on him. The fact that he was handling the ball. And we talked about his skewed numbers this year. It wasn't sexy. He didn't have the most touchdowns. I get that. But he took care of the damn ball. And Ingram fucked that up. And something we talked about all year. So ironically, a lot of Giants fans shitted on PFF last year because they, they hated Danny no matter what. This year, it's the complete opposite. Giants fans are saying Danny's regressed and PFF is saying, despite what you're seeing in the box score, we actually show that he's progressed this year. So I, I, it's funny and nobody can ever be on the same page in Giants nation. So sorry, Tina, I had to cut you no, off. That. You're good. I mean, so, and you heard Dave say it today. I mean, they were asking him about his past years and like certain decisions. And it's like, they asked him about 20, uh, 2018, 2019, when Danny got drafted and it's like, they, they believe in Danny and I believe in Danny too. And, you know, the more we heard him kind of be hesitant on losing Garrett, I think of that press conference. I mean, it needs to happen. It really needs to happen if Danny wants to take a next step, because I'm sorry, but it's not working. It really, you saw it against Dallas. They were able to put more drives together. Danny can't be unleashed with Garrett. He just can't. And it's beating a dead horse at this point, but like, there are certain people that need to be axed this offseason. For me, I just said the two. It needs to be Ingram. It needs to be Garrett. And if they don't do it, they're oblivious. They are. It's never too oh. early to start talking about the draft. But, Murph, I'm going to get to your point. I'm going to set it up for you, though, because this is something that we talked about earlier. But listen to the presser today. It doesn't sound like Jason Garrett's going anywhere. Scares the shit out of me. It, it it really doesn't, and I I think we've entered the territory of if no one else hires him, Jason Garrett is here, because Joe Judge has showed in his short past here that he wastes no time. So if it was a done deal that he wanted him out, we would have already known, in my opinion. I mean, that's just the way they've been operating. Um, I, mean, I shit you not. I shit you not. This just came up. In um in our chat, Murph, but I sent it. Oh, all right. Yeah, so chances are Jason Garrett is back with the Giants in 2021 on 1%. So we can continue to, you know, toot our horn or whatever, but, like, 
the reality is the Giants want him out, but they have no way to get him out unless someone else takes him. Um, take that for what you will. I don't care. I really don't give a shit. You can think whatever you want. Um, but just like with Do- Joe and um, and Dave having a partnership, I mean, this is the same thing. The reality is Jason Garrett's our offensive coordinator, and I don't think we're uh, – don't think we're going to be seeing anything different unless we see a Chargers or let's hope some college team fucking swoops in. That's just, our only hope. He's like, but I'm with you. We can't, we can't continue. He just doesn't fit. You know, we were talking about chemistry and things that work. He just doesn't fit. He's just weird to be on our team and on our sideline. It's just awkward. It's let me ask you a question work. to you now. Doesn't all fit. Right. So, <laughs> let me ask you a question. I know we're all put off by Jason Garrett and what we saw this year. The two best games he had were probably against uh, Dallas both times. But I heard somebody talking about Jason Garrett the other day and what he did for Zeke. Do we think in 2021 with a healthy Saquon Barkley and maybe the type of uh, uh, zone run scheme that they play there, you do we think that maybe this is going to open up the offense that much more? Well, short answer, no. Uh, dude, I – I'm genuinely worried. We had the second lowest total offense and points scored next to the Jets who just fired the guy who was running their show for obvious reasons. And they kept him an extra year. Just look at the Adam Gay sample. They were worse last year. They were worse again. If they don't make a change, I even with Saquon, man, our, our offense is still going to be just as bland. They're not going to open the offense up for Danny any more than they already have. If they're giving the ball more to Saquon, I mean – it doesn't make sense to me. There's something not gelling, whether it's Judge to Guillamo to, to Garrett. There's, there's budding heads and a lack of chemistry and whether we're not having the right lineman on at the right time or the right, you know, formations. I mean, think about it. If Saquon does come back next year and they want to put him on load management, we got guys like Deion Lewis getting reps. It's a shit show. It's a shit show. And I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to work. Even if he's there, even with Saquon, I don't know if it opens up the offense much more. All right, so as we segue over from Jason Garrett to the man of the hour, as we introduced earlier, we said that we would have a guest on from Twitter. So with us, I laid the gauntlet down, actually, on Twitter, which I uh, specified, and Don Gettleman answered the call. So he's here. Finally, somebody with the balls enough to come on our show to talk about 2018 and Dave Gettleman. So Don Gettleman. How are you? Um, I'm doing well. I would do better if uh, John Mara decided not to uh, extend Gettleman for another year or keep him on for another year. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, look, let's just get right into it. What is your beef with Dave Gettleman? Um, just complete disregard for understanding of positional value and asset management. Um, just the, the amount of investment in the defensive tackle position and not on edge rushers is just baffling. Drafting a running back number two overall when they have short shelf life, you didn't have an offense ready for him. And then just general um, pompousness and uh, unwillingness to listen to anyone else at reason and just believe he's the smartest in the room at all times and refusing to listen to anyone else's opinion. Um, pretty much sums it up. So you must be a uh, Mike Too Nice burner account then. 
<laughs> I'm not sure who that is, but <laughs> no, uh, Willie, uh, Enelberg, no, none of these names. No, no. James, Trace, no, I just, none of them. I just pretty much fight with people about Dave Gunnaman all day online. <laughs> all right, so let's start with the bane of the anti gentleman crowd's existence 2018. So, your whole thing is you don't draft a running back there, not with the second overall pick. And look, I mean, I get into it a lot with the anti-Gettleman crowd, but my receipts are out there. Go look for them. I wasn't a Saquon Barkley guy either. I wanted the Giants to draft Sam Donald. I didn't want Josh Rosen um, like a lot of other people did. I thought Sam Donald was the pick, and that's who I would have preferred at the second overall. But my stance is that – we think he was under a directive, or actually we know that he was under a directive from John Mara to win now. Now, did John Mara say, go and pick Saquon Barkley, go and draft Will Hernandez? No, because we saw that on Twitter today as well. And Kittleman came out and uh, has basically absolved John Mara of any of that blame. But if you work for any employer, you know that you're not going to throw your boss under the bus, right? Especially if they have your back. Dave Gettleman's still here. He's going into year four. You don't think John doesn't have his back by now? I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> but, yep. I mean, given that he was – or what is your opinion on the fact that John Mara provided the directive to win now? Here's a, I have a couple of thoughts on that. First of all, I, I don't like when people get into this whole fight or this whole argument on Twitter or otherwise where they say – you know, this is who you wanted, or this is, you know, your opinion at the time. I'm not a scout. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not making these decisions. My, my thoughts don't have ramifications. So a fan can spew whoever they want to choose on, on Twitter. And, you know, they can, you know, everyone has their draft crush. And then years later, it doesn't matter because they didn't invest anything in them. It doesn't matter. I actually thought that at the time, Saquon Barkley was a good pick because I thought they had Odell. They had Eli, who I thought had years left. I was wrong. But, you know, again, my thoughts at the time don't matter. It's, it's – I have as the fact that I'm not in the GM and I don't make these decisions. I have the ability to go back and say that person was wrong. He should know better than me. He's a, you know, self-professed talent evalu- evaluator. He's a person who claims he knows better than everyone else. I don't. I'm a guy on Twitter, you know, so I don't have ramifications in my decisions. So, I, I, I mean, I, I, for, I will say I didn't like Darnold or really Rosen, but I, I did think Saquon was going to be a good pick. I was wrong, too. I, I, so the, the whole situation to me is with the directive from, from Mara, quote unquote, is the fact that I think that when he was interviewing, so say, you know, he went in for the interview with John Mara, what he thought to himself, all right. I've been with the Giants. What do they want to hear? And I'm sure he said to himself, I, they want to hear that they're a winner. And he thought that that, that whole directive in, the, in, that, in that meeting sold, and he committed himself to it. The problem was he sold a, a false, you know, a false pretense. You know, he, he, everyone, I'm sure everyone else came in the interviews and said, we can't win. You know, we need to rebuild. And Gettleman came in there and said, no, I know better. Like, we're, we can win now. And that was wrong. And, you know, when you make, when you preface being hired on, on the ability to read to, you know, we can win now, we don't have to rebuild. You then rebuild and it doesn't work. You know, you then go for it now, it doesn't work out. There's no ramifications for that. Uh, I mean, so I think there's a difference between the directive and what he's and the product that he sold. He was selling a face false product and Mara got duped into hiring because of that. And, and then, so 
for him to reverse course a year later and say, oh, yeah, everything I told you was wrong. And we now need to restart over and married just say, OK, sure, keep going, do your thing, I think is ridiculous. So was post-2018 season when you lost your patience with him? Because it seemed like you agreed with his 2018 approach. Was it yeah. kind of the, the you know, I shit the bed, let's turn this around and it kind of like a year wasted thing? Is that is that what kind of set you off? I'm genuinely curious, just asking. Sure. I mean, the, the first, I was a huge Odell fan, fan. The first thing that really set me off was that. I mean, again, another thing that I thought was probably I, – I remember saying to my friends, I bet you Odell is 2,500 yards next year. He didn't. You know, maybe maybe that trade was right. The problem there's is the general – I mean, first of all, the fact that he signed him for an extension, traded him two weeks later and crippled the team with dead cap space for the next two years, you know, kind of negates the whole trade. Uh, go along with the fact that he used the pick on a run stuffy defensive tackle that can't pass rush. But, you know, I'm, again, my decisions don't have ramifications. If it was me, I would have kept Odell forever. Maybe it would have been right. Maybe it would have been wrong. I'm not a scout. I'm not a player evaluator. So when he came in there, I thought to myself, all right, we've got Eli. I think he's going to last a couple of years. We have Odell. I think the team looks good. Remember coming off an 11 and five season two years ago, you know, the year before you can explain away one season. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, maybe they can. But when that doesn't work and you see what kind of moves he made that were terrible, you can see his after a year that what he was selling wasn't working. And you can see right away that, you know, again, I'm not a scout. I don't make decisions, but the Saquon pick was wrong. They weren't close to winning. When you, well, I mean, you see guys like Gurley and Zeke and they're all, you know, they, they go flame out. Well, let me ask you about that because, I mean, if you're saying that the Saquon pick was the wrong pick, I would assume it's because – he took him running back with the second overall pick, but you were okay with that. I think from a player talent standpoint, I, I mean, yeah, Saquon's been hurt the last two years. So he's, he's kind of has, has to prove himself this year, but I still think Saquon Barkley was probably the most talented player in that draft. So well, if you're I, talking about best player available, you have no problem with the pick from a player perspective. Why would you have one? an issue with it being a running back sure it's just straight positional value i mean if you look at the running back position look at this year they didn't have saquon obviously hurt them in the passing game but goleman played i mean they're still 19th 19th in, in rushing offense i think that the running back position specifically depends a lot on other pieces depends on the quarterback depends on the offensive line and they just don't last long i mean i love saquon i think he's an unbelievable player i love the guy i think he's a great talent just i mean when you look at just where running the top running backs are in the league. And, you know, you can get a guy in the second and third round that produces, you know, a similar level. I mean, a lot of positions are like that, but I mean, just look at the contract value of them. I mean, by straight, the amount that they get on the market. I mean, the, the, the price of a running back versus the price of an edge rusher and in, in free agency is just, you know, teams value them differently. So to waste a, a, a pick on, not waste, but to spend a pick on a, on a, a player on a non-valuable position that, I mean, really, running backs are the the last piece of an offense I looked at them as a luxury piece he was. And it clearly wasn't what the team needed. I mean, look at their record with him. I mean, he, I hate to do that with one guy. People do that with Odell all the time. But, I mean, it's more of an indictment on where the offense was before they drafted him. 
Well, look, it wasn't ready for the last piece. But the whole Saquon decision, too, we still had Eli. So we can't forget that there was still this aura about the Giants that we still thought we'd be Super Bowl contenders with Eli there. I don't even want to talk about that too much, though. What I do want to get to is that we talked about 18. We talked about 19. Obviously, he got re-signed based on this season. Is something we talked about before you got on on this um, on this episode. Did you not see enough from Gettleman this year? Let's put it this way. I know it might be impossible for you to do if you don't really like Gettleman, but I mean, it's hard to not compliment him. Can you not throw Dave Gettleman any love after the decisions he made in this offseason and in the draft this year? I think that James Bradbury was a great signing. Really great signing. I think he's an all-pro caliber player. I think that's a guy that people were looking at Byron Jones and say, why didn't they get him? I think that you know, Gettleman had a probably better valuation. Again, I'm not a scout. But Gettleman probably had a good evaluation on Bradbury. I think he made a great move. People, I think, overrate Blake Martinez. I think he's solid, but his coverage grades aren't great, and he really fell uh, fell off at the end of the season. With regard to Andrew Thomas, I, I'm sure you've heard of other people. He's probably the worst of the four available tackles, so I don't really give him any props there. Um, just chose the right position. Good thing he didn't take another defensive tackle. Um, but then you look at who did he really get after that. McKinney, I can't really judge. I like the pick, but played three games. You look at Darnay Holmes, I mean, like Matt Parrott. I mean, these guys are, are whatever to me. I mean, you don't have anyone there who had a PFF grade over 60. So you're looking at Shane Lemieux who had pass blocking grades of zero. Oh, you're a PFF guy. Oh, that makes, that so makes. I, I, I am to an extent, I mean, especially with positions that aren't really quantifiable with stats like offensive line. So, you know, you look at stats, you know, what, what do you, how do you judge an offensive lineman? So you look at, you know, pa- I mean, pass rushing, I mean, sacks allowed. There aren't many stats to grade offensive linemen. So I think PFF will take him with a grain of salt can at least paint some type of picture. I mean, the picture they painted of Shane Lemieux was like horrendous. I mean, you have Crowder and Coughlin with under 50 grades. So, right, so look, look, player, players aside, then let's talk about the big guy. Let's talk about Joe judge. All right. Who did you want as a head coach and where were you at with that? Because I do remember the same ghetto grumps out there were all aboard the Matt Rule train, and let's see if that still holds up. I mean, I don't know who you exactly wanted, but, I mean, that's probably a significant offseason move. We got a guy that's changing the culture of the Giants and is obviously steering things in the right direction. So is Joe Judge not an attribution to Dave Gettleman and what he did this offseason? I, I like Joe Judge. I'm not, like, as enamored with him as everyone thinks, that, you know, everyone else is. I mean, I think he's a little bit conservative at times. I think he's a little bit like an 80-year-old man stuck in a 35-year-old man's body. His philosophies are extremely old school, which I'd rather have someone a little more innovative. I think his players do play hard for him, which is an you must be quality. really fun at parties. <laughs> I was just thinking <laughs> that. Like, oh, my God. I'm asking for like one John. compliment. You're a, you're, aren't you a Giant fan? Are you it's, a Giant it's fan? Been I mean, tough. I mean, it's tough. I want them – I, I wish they could be managed better. I mean, I like Judge. I'm not as impressed with another six-win season. I, I think it was more on the roster than him. I think that he can be a little conservative, but okay, I But I if do it was like on the, the roster and but. not him, that has to be an attribution to what they just assembled. That's what I don't understand. You didn't really love them, but you just said it's a credit to the roster and not him. But Oh, no. no I said it's a credit to the roster. Percent. You shit on everybody that we drafted. I don't understand. That's, I, that's not, I said that the six wins is more on the fact the roster wasn't good than Joe Judge being a bad coach. All right. So they – and that's what I think. I, I, I don't mind Judge. I'm not – ready to name him the next Bill Parcells or, you know, whoever the next hotshot coach, Sean McVay or whoever you want him to be. Um, the offense was still stale. 
the, I mean, again, based mostly on the roster because it's so poor. Um, I think Graham was a good hire. I think he's great. Um, but I think the players do play hard for him. So I respect the job he's done. I'm not clamoring for them to replace him or anything like that. I'm just not ready to anoint him as the next superstar head coach of the NFL until he wins games. I think that's fair. Well, again, I'm not really sure where you are with this though either, but I mean, when you go to a, when you go to a restaurant and you know, you order a steak and it comes out medium, do you ask for the person who bought the steak or do you ask for the person that cooked the steak? Right. Usually it's the chef's fault is the reason why that the steak came out bad. So in 2018, 2019. It could be both. It could be bad meat and a bad chef, but. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 yeah, I, there's no way that I'm going to win here with you, especially your displeasure with Joe Judge. I've already given up. I, but, I, don't, I, don't, I don't dislike Joe Judge. I, I do like him. I'm just not ready to anoint him as coach of the year candidate, superstar. I like I said the players play hard for him. I think that he needs to work on being more innovative, and that may be a product of being a first-year coach. You know, he doesn't want to come in and throw flea flickers and do crazy things, but, you know, I, I think that he can be a little less concerned. I think he got I don't know concerned. if that the innovation, though, that wouldn't be on Judge. I mean, if you're looking for it on the offensive side of the ball, they got a guy in Garrett who all of us want to be shipped out of town. You know, we want to see him gone, but it's like – that's not his that's not his forte. He's not going to stomp on Jason Garrett and start running the offense. So it's like the innovation part can't be on him. I'm, I don't dislike him. I, I do like him. I think he, he gets the players to play hard. I'm just not ready to put him on a pedestal and say he's the savior of the franchise. That, that's all I'm saying. I like so, him. I'm not ready to anoint him. Now I'm going to ask the next important question because you already shit on my boy Dave. What about Daniel? So da- Daniel Jones is an interesting case. Um Generally, I, I do want to give him a pass for the fact that they have zero talent on the line or in the receiver core in general. I think these fans way overrate Darius Slayton and Golden yes. Tate yes. and um, and Sterling Shepard, who I like as a person, but he's a blocking receiver who shouldn't be getting $8 million a year. Um, at the same time... Disagree, other, man. Come on. Other, other um, quarterbacks have done more with the talent that i mean just in general i mean the guy threw what 10 touchdowns 11 touchdowns this year i mean he what what, what do you see what do you see that you like i just i don't i don't see it what happened to daniel jones i like the steak reference i like i see what you're saying now see because he's starting to talk about numbers he, he wants to blame everybody but like the right person like you, you there's a lot of blame to go around i just don't hear the right blame being appointed you didn't shit on garrett this entire time that's how i know something's up you didn't even mention how terrible yeah, you mentioned you- the office being terrible you didn't even shit on jason garrett once i i don't like jason garrett i didn't like him as i i mean I thought that the Cowboys offense that he had had a lot of firepower. I didn't get anything out of them. I'll give the Cowboys a pass here because they didn't have Dak. But, I mean, I don't like Garrett at all. But, I mean, how can I blame the guy when he has an offense, the, the line that's a disaster, Alfred Morris taking handoffs and throwing passes to who Benjamin Vic, – like Victor like or Benjamin Mag, who, who – like what? Like Daniel Jones is – But I mean, the in-game the part of it, in-game part of it is just atrocious. I understand. I, I understand what you're saying as far as like. Not only that, though. You, I mean, you're discrediting Benjamin Victor, Alfred Morris. Fine, I get that because we kind of know what he is. But I mean, there are rookies every year that step up that weren't first round or second round draft picks that probably play above their uh, draft capital simply because of the offense or the coaching around them. I, I think you're putting way too much on the players and not enough on the coaching staff. 
and this is kind of always been my problem, man. Matter of fact, the, the tweet that I posted out, and I said, if you think that the past three years have have been Dave Gettleman's blame alone, come on and challenge me. And no, nothing is his blame alone. No, it's never, it's, that's the whole thing. Alone. It's not. It's a collaborative effort. They succeed sure. together. They fail together. So that's my problem with like, all right, so 2018, um, we go back and Dave Gettleman says, you know, it, it was a miscalculation. Mara says it was a miscalculation. Pat Shermer wasn't a good head coach. I'm sorry, no, he no. wasn't. He's a he good wasn't. offensive coordinator, terrible head coach. And let's face it, we had James Betcher here. I'll give credit to our boy Brendan. Brendan said something too. All the signings, uh, well, a lot of the signings that we want to blame Dave Gettleman for, Blame the fucking coaching staff for them. Um, Pierre, Kareem Martin, Dion Buchanan, Antoine Bonnea, um, Marcus Golden. All those guys were James Betcher guys. But yet, let's shit on Dave Gettleman for getting input from the coaching staff to see what type of personnel they want. Now, that's Dave's fault. All right, so Dave shouldn't ask the coaching staff what they want. Dave should just assert his players – Onto the coaching staff. Yes. I mean, my, my thought would be that a good GM would take the input from the coach and say, all right, I want this type of player and collaborate with them and say, okay, but maybe Antoine Bethea is washed up as all hell. Why don't we get a younger version of him who I discovered over here or, you know, a, a type of player who can play that role. I think it's lazy GM, a uh, lazy GM work to just say, okay, but at I'm getting the same it. time, you're talking about free agency. Free agency comes before the draft. The draft is only okay. kind of filling whatever holes that you didn't, you weren't necessarily able to fill in free agency, and to get better. You you, you scout you scout free agents also on other teams. I mean, scouting yeah, is not. I, just I mean, the if, draft. I, if they're on another team, that doesn't necessarily make them available. I mean, there, there are three agents out there who could have done better than Antoine Bethea. Alec Ogletree was a bad trade, but why do you think Alec, Alec Ogletree was available? Because he had $55 million contract. And nobody else wanted him. Correct. But the Giants had Except a whole lot of linebacker. You can, only, you can only shop what's available. You can't, you can't, I mean, you can't ask for something let's, that you don't have. Let's use that as an example. So say, you know, he says, I want an Alec Ogletree or, you know, it's, it's his job to go in and say, even if we have to over, this is a, one of the main issues I have with him is his lack of understanding of the draft picks. So we'll go, we, uh, I'm sure you're waiting to bring up Leonard Williams and me. So Alec Ogletree was just as bad a trade, maybe even worse than Leonard Williams because he was bad. He had a huge contract and most of all, he cost draft capital. So when a player sucks and his contract's big, you just cut him, right? When you invest money and draft picks in a player, they have to be so much more than just their contract. You have to blow it. So you set a bar so high for what a player needs to be when you justify a high contract plus picks. It's almost insurmountable. This, it's, 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 well, it's a that's, that's, that's the NFL, to Leonard man. Williams. No, I want to hear him tie that to Leonard Williams because your point won't run home to Leonard Williams because they put that ceiling on Leonard Williams. He wanted to get paid like a defensive end. He put together 11 and a half sacks this year. So how does that, how does that tie together? I mean, you gave him a ceiling, he hit the ceiling and now, now it doesn't look like such a bad trade. I mean, what they give him snickle Fritz a third. I mean, think they about gave it. A third and a fifth when they could have first of all signed in free agency. And if you didn't want it, if you say maybe we weren't going to get him in free agency, there's someone else you could have gotten there and invested. You could have invested in Leonard Floyd, who's, Cap hit was six million dollars versus Leonard Williams, sixteen and a third and a fifth. 
Look, I think, I think to your point, yeah, maybe we have too many defensive tackles. I don't think that's like an oblivious statement. Like we obviously don't have a defensive end, like taking, they have no we, have, we, yes. we have, we have Dexter, we, we have Dalvin. I get I, that there's going to be a decision made on that, but to justify and say that that Leonard trade can go hand to hand with Alec Ogletree. I just don't see it. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't it's, make sense. So here's, here's, here's what I want to clarify. See, but the problem that I also have with fans real quick. Sorry, the problem ahead. I have with fans real quick too, Dom, before you make your point is it's the same fans that say that we should have drafted Josh Allen in 2018. Then we should have drafted Josh Allen in 2019. And then we should have got Chase Young in 2020. There's no guarantee those picks would have been available at said spots if you had drafted a player before. Maybe the Giants get Josh Allen in 2018, and maybe they don't have the um, sixth overall pick in 2019. Maybe after the 15th pick. So hindsight is gifted to everybody besides the one who actually has to do the job. And I think we have to keep that in mind here too. So to say, like, you're talking completely in hindsight about the London Floyd trade. Let's pay. I mean, the Bears didn't pick up Linda Floyd's fifth year option. Sure. But a so, good, but I a mean, good GM, a good say, GM was say able to evaluate talent and see that he was more than that. They had him for four years. I, I'm, the Rams have a good GM and he was able to analyze, see that they had a the guy had talent. And, and, but I'm and talking about the Bears. The Bears had him for four years, though. And the Bears don't I mean, have a GM. So, so, sometimes, <laughs> the Bears don't have a GM. The Rams do. Who saw sometimes that you step in shit. And sometimes you get lucky, and other times, I mean, like you said, maybe it is talent evaluation. All right, so since we're going so hypothetical and hindsight and all that and this scenario that, delete 2018. Just delete it. Just delete it from Dave Gettleman's profile. How bad is the guy, man? Because to me, he cleaned up all – Because the guy kicks puppy dogs and punches babies. He cleaned and he, up. And he, and he trades up in the first hold round. Hold on. Hold on. Let's delete 2018. Wipe that shit clean. Because he cleaned up Jerry's mess, regardless. You like it or not. Clean it I'll up. I'll have a comment on that also. But why is he so bad when you only look at it in a two-season two segment? They still had, don't have talent. I mean, you see teams like the Dolphins and Bills turn around in two years. Do they, they not have talent, or did they just have a horrible coaching staff in 2019? The Dolphins also had the most money to spend this year. It, well, why did the Giants not have money to spend? Because he spent money on Golden Tate and Nate Solder and Alec Ogletree and gig, all right, gig so, all over the place. Here's my point. I want to make a point about, about Jerry Reese, who I thought had a good run until I got the Super Bowl. The end of Jerry Reese was awful. Terrible drafter. You got Flowers, uh, uh, Eli Apple. I mean, he was bad. Handed out a lot of bad contracts, too. Handed out a lot of bad contracts. No doubt about it. But here's the thing that I, I don't like when people bring up the Reese, the Reese argument. You can cut everybody for that team. The dead cap hits are done in a year. It's not the NBA or the MLB where contracts last forever. He didn't wave some magic wand or do anything special to, to solve that situation. Anyone with a brain could have solved that cap situation in a year or two years. You cut a guy if he's too expensive. Done. So he didn't do anything magical to get rid of bad contracts. So then you're looking at a lack of talent. I mean, GMs beg for a, a clean slate of guys. My, my two arguments to that is what kind of scheme are we switching to? And Well, Murph, hold on, because I, I, I have something I think that will go with that point. But on Jerry Reese, real, real, real quick, Jerry Reese hated to admit fault. People I'm not defending Jerry Reese at all. 
I, I that's fine. People yeah. point to Patrick Omame being a bad contract. Dave Gettleman cut him the same year he signed him. So, oh, sure. I mean, I, you know, so I want to give credit words too. But you brought up Miami, though. Miami traded Minka Fitzpatrick. Miami got rid of, they traded Laramie Tunsil. Miami traded talent away. So you're saying that the Giants are a less talented roster today than Miami, and Miami rebuilt in two years. Miami traded all that talent. They didn't do anything to keep them. They got draft capital. Okay. Where right now, I, I, I'm i curious. I have to ask you because off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. Who who has talent on Miami's team that, that you're when, – when you compare the two franchises? Because to me, it's coaching. Where is where is Miami – where does Miami have a more talented roster than the New York Giants? I mean, pretty much – I mean, a lot of players. I mean, you look at the – Look at the defense and, and look at the pass rush. Oh no! I, I I was just thinking. I'm like Miami has a decent defense. If you try to say Miami has more talent on their defense than the Giants, we're gonna have name them. Uh, name them. Because now I'm curious. Here's, here's here's the thing about the Dolphins though. They they run a scheme where they prioritize the right the right positions. They have they. So it's they, coaching. So it's the bad chef. So are you saying that Joe Judge is a bad coach then? Everything that we're seeing is a ramification from the uh, fallout from Pat Shermer. So if, if you're saying the Giants have more talent and the Dolphins are just better coached, then you're saying Flores is a better coach than Joe Judge. No, but Flores also oh, has had right two now, seasons. When, when I look Flores. at the two franchises, I see a lot of similarities. That Miami team last year played its fucking ass off for Brian Flores. Three wins in the last five games when they were supposedly tanking for two. They won games in week 16 and week 17. We never saw a quit out of this team with Joe Judge. I, I don't, I don't, I've, I've always said I think they play hard for Joe Judge. I like Joe Judge. Fine. So that's my point then, right? We want to blame the offense. I, 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 Jason Garrett is an asshole. Jason Garrett needs to get shipped the fuck out. I'll drive him to LA. I won't fight you. I won't fight you. I don't think he's good either. So, I mean, you know, as far as that goes, I see a lot of similarities. And matter of fact, so do a lot of other people in the media between New York Giants this year and the Miami Dolphins last year. If, if we go next year and we go four and 12 or well, it's an 18 game schedule. So if we, if we go four and 13 next year, Fine. You know what? Then we can start talking about Joe Judge not getting the most out of his roster. But to say that this, that the Miami Dolphins roster has more talent than the New York Giants, I'm sorry. I'm not believing it. That's that's your opinion. But, I mean, I don't know how you can justify the coaching. I, I'm asking you, who, where are they more talented? I mean, I don't really – I mean, you're asking me. I don't really you think said, the Giants have much scheme. talent anywhere. A scheme's not a player. Last time I checked. You don't think the Giants have a talented defense? I think that they had a well-coached defense, which is your point. That I think that that Graham scheme. Okay, great. okay, that's fine. Well-coached. I don't think they have a talent. There is no talent. There's no talent on that defense. I think they have talent at unimportant positions like defensive tackle and and a, and a linebacker that can't really cover. At least you said they have defense. talent, though. I mean, I had to pull those teeth to get that in. Unimportant positions. I, I think that they have. I mean, the corner defensive tackle talented. group in the entire NFL. I think if this was 1982, they'd be great, built for great success. They'd so be wait, able to stop I'm curious, Walker. Of talent. I mean, you loved Odell as much as you did. Are you also going to admit that Jabril didn't have his best season as a pro and looked pretty talented this year, or is that we're well, going to act like I, that didn't happen? I've loved Jabril Pepper since he was in high school in Jersey. I've, I've always I've been a huge fan of him. That was when they got Odell. I'm like, oh, yeah, at least they got Jabril Pepper. I love Jabril. Okay. He's, 
He's you didn't not mention a- him, so I just had to ask. It didn't it didn't come up. You were talking shit about this defense. Didn't hear about Jabril. Didn't hear words. I, I like Jabril. He's a box right. safety. He's not. He's not. He, again, not just not a, a position. About, he's more of a of a safety hybrid linebacker. He's not the center ball at center field. Edward but if you're going to say that's not a valuable position, it seems pretty valuable. I mean, it looked like Seattle traded a shit ton of picks for a fucking box safety and Jamal Adams and looked like it panned oh. out pretty well. These are the only posts of their defense left at this point. Don't disagree, but also who was valuable was um, Landon Collins, who Dave Gettleman just let walk instead of trying to trade for a pick and franchise tagging. Again, an understanding. You, you, talk about, you talk about Blake Martinez being terrible in coverage. Landon Collins is a DB who's awful in coverage. Oh. I, I, I do not I did not agree with giving him the big contract. What they could have done is what any team who had an asset would have done, franchise tagged him and traded him. If the if the Washington Redskins were willing All to right, give I'll him, give you that. If the Washington Redskins were give him willing to give him eighty million dollars, then they wouldn't have traded a fifth round pick for him. I that's I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Not not that's getting the, assets for for somebody that you intended not to keep, that's fine. I, I won't that's, argue with that's, you. On that's that. my biggest issue. He just doesn't understand how to maximize his capital. His, I mean, trade trading up into the first round to get DeAndre Baker, even if he was good, was a dumb, dumb call. You're giving up assets. You're giving. I mean, you're, you're taking uh, the fact that he didn't work out only makes it worse. You get, you, yeah, you get three chances to get a player. Drafted Eli Apple, and it, it, what we have is Janoris Jenkins. This team was desperate for a cornerback. I don't disagree, but he, he didn't work out. You could have got no, another. But again, you're, 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 you're the ability of hindsight. I mean, other teams saw issues with him. That's why he lasted in the second round. If he was so good and so superstar, I mean, other teams saw this. I mean, it took when you a risk and it backfired, bro. That blame. You can't blame him. What I don't like about Gettleman is he doesn't understand the value of draft picks. He, he doesn't understand how to maximize value. He, I mean, trading up, the guy has never. No, you're mad they traded up for a guy who time. had known character issues, but legitimately in the draft every year, potentially even the first round, almost half those people taken have character issues. I, I mean, and a majority of them aren't going to pan out. They had three first round picks that year. So yeah, Baker didn't work out but and i know obviously you don't like dexter lawrence apparently either but i thought they did pretty well in danny and dexter i thought that was two out of three meatloaf said it best two out of three ain't so bad so i mean look again we're looking at this hindsight yeah baker baker is a shithead but it makes no sense to me to go come at gettleman because he decided to trade up take a chance on a guy that people had falling because of character issues and you were optimistic he worked out dude People did that on Laramie Tunsil. And now he's getting traded for first round picks. So it's just like. And Giants fans, Giants fans jump on uh, them for not drafting Laramie Tunsil over a bong. But yet we ignore, you know, the character issues with DeAndre Baker. Think that we're getting a cornerback one. That's that's bad. Again, it's hindsight. It's He wasn't a quarterback. It was bad character issues aside. He sucked on the field also. But I mean, it's- DeAndre Baker in Georgia did not suck. Come on, you, you forget that he played an entire year for the Giants. He wasn't good. Yeah, he yeah, nobody was in James Betcher's defense. Again, we had a bad chef. How bad did Jabril look in James Betcher's defense? Talk about Pretty that. Bad. Look at where he's at. I, I mean, here's what I'm saying. When you when you Leonard invest Williams in- last year in James Betcher's defense, Leonard Williams this year. Here's here's the thing. When you invest that much, including capital a first round pick and then even more by trading up to get him. He had, you, you had to hit, you have to hit on that. I mean, it just, it sets you back so far. So, when you miss on picks so like Don, that. are you completely done with him or can he win you back? And what's no, that going to, I mean, what's that gonna I, take? 
unless they just completely turn around and are, you know, just a, a, a team that is, could compete with anyone in the NFL that's an 11 and five team that's a real playoff contender, then, I mean, if four years in, you, this, it, I don't see it. So you're not, you're not digging the well oiled machine right now. I'm, I'm done with because, progress. because I'm done with seeing progress. I mean, may, this team's got to be good. But, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. All right, so I, 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 Murph, do you have another question? If not, no, I want So, John, I, I want to give you a chance, being that you are um, Dave Gettleman's evil twin brother, Don Gettleman. <laughs> um, what, what, what makes you happy about this team? Everything that you've said since we had you on, I don't think you've said one good thing. Puppy dogs and rainbows right now wouldn't change your attitude. So give me something positive to, about this team. What do you like? And then let's end on that note. Let's end on positive note. Something positive. They have a, a, a decently high draft pick this year and a chance to get a good receiver. Do you think that they're just a wide receiver away from being a good offense? No. <laughs> I think they're an entire offensive line. What, what are their tight ends, team? a quarterback, and at least two receivers away. A cornerback or quarterback? Quarterback. I don't even know where to go from there. He also God. said that we gave up an arm and a leg for DeAndre Baker. They moved up. They gave away a second, so they got the first. It was a fourth and a fifth. I mean, that's not going to set your franchise back for fucking decades. I, that's just that's I, that's three chances to get a good player, and they and they it's essentially whiffing on three draft picks. For, for a guy who just shit on Dave Gettleman for an hour and a half, I think you're giving him too much credit on a chance to hit on a player. I mean, you trade up for the first round talent that people are sleeping on. I mean, it makes no sense to me that you're saying that that set us back and we gave up trans transmitted assets that affected us deep it was a fourth and a fifth and it's three, you, it's three chances to get a good player we we legitimately have people that we took in the fourth and the fifth this year that were impactful that you just so casually overlooked and shit on so it's like i think even good even point. if we took a shot on someone of the fourth and fifth, you wouldn't even be good who who was the fourth and fifth runners that were impact impactful in a positive way shame darnay, on you with this, darnay you was this. what third darnay was third or darnay was a third no or pert pert was third darnay was fourth no, okay, you, you want to you want to say that Darnay Holmes is his big draft success after the third round is for his three drafts? But you can't I, say I, he didn't contribute or that. I can tell you Darnay Holmes has given us more than DeAndre Baker. I agree, which is why he was such a bad pick in the first round. Hindsight. So. Hindsight. Hindsight. <laughs> I, like right, I said before, I'm, I'm able to use hindsight. I'm not the one that makes the decisions. I'm not a scout. So I can look at his at – his, but hindsight on your offense, we're fucked. You just said we need an entire offensive line, a tight end, a receiver, and a quarterback. So you might as well switch teams now because you're in big, big trouble if that's how you look at this. And I, don't, I can still be a fan and, and hope they go in a different direction and hope they improve. The, the only problem with assessing everything in hindsight is that you will never be happy with the outcome. I'm just telling I, you that right now. I think the Chiefs are pretty good, with, or the other good teams are pretty good looking at things in hindsight. They're pretty happy. I'm a Nets fan. I'm I'm I'm, I'm feel pretty happy about how they look in hindsight. Let's, I mean that's that's not true. <laughs> if, you're dig, if, if, you're, if you're if you're if you're if you're moves, there's always going to be something that they could have done differently. That when using hindsight, you're going to look back on you like, oh, all right, well maybe we shouldn't have done that, or maybe we shouldn't have done this. Sure. So, my, I'll, I'll boil it down to this. My main issue with Gettleman is lack of understanding of positional value. Which positions are valued in this league? Which one are not? And then, and then maximizing asset value, maximizing draft picks, maximizing just talent on the roster in team building aspects, not where they play. But I'm saying 
he's drafting B.J. Hill and then immediately signing uh, um, Leonard Williams, getting Leonard Williams, and and when you already have uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then also drafting Dexter Lawrence. We don't need four defensive tackles. You automatically make your third round pick in B.J. Hill, who wasn't that looking that bad, into a superfluous player. So who, it's just, who are just you, ma- maximizing value. Who are you going to maximize that value with on the free agent market this year? I'm not. I'm not a scout, but I mean, if I were to look at it. I would say they definitely need a, a wide receiver. I would value Godwin the highest. Maybe if and I know a lot of these guys are probably going to get tagged. I mean, I think you have to sign one of Godwin, Galladay, Allen Robinson. I think he'll probably sign Curtis Samuel. Um, I wouldn't even mind Juju. I know a lot of people are down on him, but I like him. I think they need a, a, a real one receiver. Um, I think they need, I think need an anchor guard that, also. Wide receiver one. I can't do any of those guys besides a Rob or Golly. That's it. Yeah. Those other three I, are just more of the same for me. Godwin and Juju are the product of production around them. That's it. They're, they're not a wide receiver one. If they come to the New York Giants and they're expected to be a wide receiver one, you are going to be one pissed off fan in 2021. I will. Tell I you. may be, but I'm, I'm not an, I'm not a talent. 2021 now when he's pissed off. What are you talking yeah. about? He's pissed off already. <laughs> this season's yeah, I've seen, I've seen my Don, team has made I'm, the playoffs once in the last nine years. Of course, I'm Don, I'm glad that yeah. we had you on the show because <laughs> – my diagnosis after today is that it's not just Dave you're pissed at. You're pissed at the entire Giants organization. So I am. So I am any, any last words before we let you go or no? Sure. I'd like to say that I hope in the future that they can turn around. If, if, they're, if they're good, I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong. And it's up to, to, to Mara to stop with the status quo. Change is not always bad. Just because he's there and he's your friend doesn't mean you can't get rid of him or, or move on to someone who's going to be better. Enough with the status quo. I've heard the same thing last year. Same thing. If they if they if I don't see improvement next year, we got to win more games. They win six wins and everyone's like, oh yeah, they're in the right direction. Come on, enough's enough. Real progress or he's out. Yeah. All right, Don Gettleman. Thank you for accepting the challenge. Thank you for being brave enough to come on the show. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks a lot again to Don for accepting our challenge and coming on the podcast. Only person with balls big enough to do so. So I think that's going to wrap up everything from the Eagles to the presser. We're certainly going to have a lot of draft talk coming up. We're going to be talking about the needs that this offense needs, uh, defense. This roster has some holes that it needs to fill, so we'll be talking about those as well. But let's get back. Two Tino's clap back all stacks of the week. Tino. Guys, I'm back with clap back all stacks. That was good this time. That was really good. There was some enthusiasm. I like it. So the regular season's done. We finished very strong. If you didn't know, Mage, I finished the regular season 63%. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. So we're going to roll into. You know, one time I listen to you, I lose. But yep. Yeah, well, you're the mush. You're Mage the mush. So, you know, that, <laughs> that's expected. And it's funny, too. I also said that I think the reason I went 63% is because I didn't bet most of those picks. And that's probably why I win. Once you bet them, then you start losing. And that's how gambling works. Anyways, <laughs> I'm worried this weekend. My biggest concern is that I'm all aboard the Bills for the Super Bowl train. I, I got really good odds of them to win the Super Bowl. Early on in the year, I'm bought in. I think they're going to win on Saturday. My issue is that the Colts play very well, um, can play very well against them because of how to beat the Bills. You beat the Bills by running the ball. So um, six and a half is where the line is at. If you get it at seven, I'm all over the Colts here. It's almost like a hedge for me on my futures bet, but the one dog I'm going to give you, I pray that they don't win outright because, again, it would shoot my uh, – it would shoot my um, 
Super Bowl futures, you know, down the drain. But a bit of a hedge, a bit of a, you know, a precautionary thing. But six and a half points is a lot for a team that can ultimately have their kryptonite. And I think they'll easily cover that six and a half and hopefully not win. If anything, if you like the six and a half, maybe tease the Bills down to a pick them. And that's something I talked about on um, the New York football pod. Double dip it. Double dip it. Have some fun in that game. It's the first game to kick off the weekend. So, you know, enjoy yourself. We only got a little bit limited amount of football left. Start betting everything. Bet the house, Mage. Bet the damn house. Maybe don't well, though. And that you can hit. still hope that the Colts cover and the Bills win. Yeah, so, so you can you can definitely double dip it. For you, Tino, that's what I'm hoping for. That'd be great. Because you are my compadre. And for the people listening and that play these bets, I hope uh, I hope that's what they're hoping for too. And we'll yes, have- I hope so for the people as well. Murph, how you doing? Are you still with us, Murph? I'm just looking at uh, New York Rangers shit, man. Season starts next week. I also wanted to know – football's speaking, over. Speaking of New York teams, that guy mentioned he's a Nets fan. He was talking about hindsight. The Nets had probably one of the worst trades in uh, NBA history in Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, sure. but it's been eating me up since he's been on. So that that was not a good – You had to let that one out. Yeah, I had to let that – I just – I let him have it. I just let him have it. <laughs> I was really, that's actually a really good point. And uh, thank you to ownership for that as well, for making a bad decision. How ironic how the wheel turns. All right, boys. Any final words? Murph? Nothing, man. Nothing, man. Okay, perfect. Tino? Got nothing. Major, I do have over. something for you. Hopefully, by this time next week, we got some baseball action. That's for Murph, too. Listen, it's, it's coming. I don't know when it's Hopefully. coming, but baseball – Another seven days here. We're looking mid-January. That's when the ball should be rolling on baseball. So that's something to be excited about. Well, I saw the Blue Jays offer to Judge Springer, and it looks like uh, it was disrespectful to him. It wasn't close to what his asking price was. So it looks like it's Mets or bust at this point. DJ LeMahieu and the New York Yankees are still in a wait and see. Um, <laughs> and Tanaka so, said, I heard a report that Tanaka, if he doesn't come back to the Yankees, apparently he wants to come back to the Yankees, but if he doesn't, he's just going to – go back home overseas or some shit. So he's going back and pitching in Japan. Yeah. I'm hoping they're in on Sagano. Yeah. The Mets are officially out on him. Yeah. And Steve Cohen was lighting people up on Twitter about it. It was great. It really, even if you're not a Mets fan, just follow Steve Cohen. What are y'all realistically? I love Steve Cohen's shit and I'm a Yankees fan. Um, where do y'all realistically see power going? I'm thinking the angels, honestly. And by the way, Nick Sario just signed on the Texans. Yeah. Six years um, well, they agreed last night, but gotcha. in terms um, of the contract was six But where do y'all think Trevor Bauer's going? Yeah, I mean, he's been toying with the Angels a lot. I know his manager really wants him to go to the Angels, so it could be something. But I think he's going to toy with the big markets for a while. I thought he'd be the first piece to go. I don't think that anymore. I think he's going to wait too long. I think he wants it to be about himself. He wants that attention. He wants everyone else to go, and then he'll make a move. But I could see the Angels for sure. Something West Coast. <laughs> Maybe the Padres. What the fuck? There's not a whole lot of movement. Uh, training got signed yesterday. Um, I heard that uh, Brad Hand was in talks with some teams today. Yeah. So I don't think he signed. I was trying to look for it real quick. But. Mets. Everyone, people want every, every Met fan wants everyone right now because no moves are being made. But, you know, y- you got to realize they did get Trevor May already. They, they, they kind of addressed the bullpen, I think. Next up is Springer. I think that's got to be the first domino to fall for them. And look, I would love Bauer too, but they also said, I know they're sending people over to look at Kluber and Paxton as well, former Yankee and Paxton. So that's something to keep an eye on too uh, for some back end guys in the Mets rotation. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind Kluber at all. 
they kind of stink. I saw that face, Murph. Like they're kind of stanky, especially Paxson. I get that. James Paxson. Yeah, James Paxson. Enjoy. Uh, I know the Yankees very own to watch Kluber pitch. I think the Mets are on the list too. Yep, yep. I'm looking right now. Now, hand has a sign. It looks like the White Sox are in the sweepstakes right now, too. That's what I thought I saw. Trying inside with signed with the Dodgers. Yeah, nothing. The Yankees need to do something, brother. Uh, Steve Cohen did put out the other day. He said, uh, be patient. It's moving slow. It's going to. Should pick up after the holidays. So we'll see. They probably are honestly waiting to see if they're even going to play, man. And they got to set the rules. They got. They also- if spring training is going to be one watered down or not happen, Trevor Bauer will sit until game day. It changes a lot. No, you're right. Why, why should he? And for the power bats, how can you decide what division, what, what league you're even going to? Yeah. If you're a D, well, how are you going to well, do? You know what's good. So yeah, fill me in on that. Is what's going on with that? I thought they did decide it. Yeah, they they haven't said anything yet, and it's so it's not going to happen in twenty one. But they don't know. I mean, look at the NBA. The NBA adapted to their playoff format because of how they adapted to it last year with the bubble and with how COVID is. I mean, it would make sense that you might as well start with it before you know shit hits the fan and you got to adjust to it again. I don't. I don't know. I I mean, we're relying on Bud Selig. Bud Selig. Oh man, fuck Rob Manfred. (laughs) <laughs> much worse Rob Manfred to make a actual decision and figure shit out. And it's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be slow moving, man. It really is. So we'll see what gets going on the hot stove over the next few weeks, but that is going to wrap up this episode of clapback sports. Thank you everyone for listening.